This podcast is proudly brought to you by Nuova Simonelli. Hello and welcome to episode the the thirty fourth, the the thirty four, the thirty not the thirty fourth. Okay, I should, this is going to happen every week now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Can yeah. I exp- at least explain the reasoning behind it? Yeah. So there's an episode of The Simpsons where a comic book shop guy, or whatever his name is, is uh, I think he's sitting on a bus or something. Okay, I'm gonna say he's sitting on a bus. And then someone says, can I sit there? And he says, yes, if you answer these questions three. Question the first. And then <laughs> that's kind of where it came from. So it's like episode the 34th. That's and it is going to be the worst episode ever. This one or that episode of The Simpsons? No, no, just all of them. It's because that's also his catches, catchphrase, isn't it? It's a worst episode ever. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, I got you. Yeah. I thought you were just having a pretty uh, negative... Uh, intro to the to, to the podcast but you didn't so that's cool <laughs> uh, but thank you again for tuning into the podcast they're going incredibly well you touched us 50,000 times last year not last year last, last month, month even yeah which is we like being touched yeah it's it's quite the um yeah, it's quite the achievement really isn't it yeah no it is it's amazing it's uh, the figures just continue to uh, surprise me um, and amaze me it's like so many people listening now and like consistently in the same kind of places as well so we're kind of keeping people which is even more scary apart from we're not keeping Colin we seem to have lost Colin and I'm back sorry about that <laughs> woohoo that's weird honestly nobody noticed like that, that little bit of dead space there, nobody noticed that I, you disappeared. I'm a little worried about what you said in that time, though, so. Mm. Yes, it was about the touching. Okay, well, do continue to touch us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, I think we should explain what a touch is. So, a touch is how often the, the audio file is touched on the server. So, you know, if somebody goes in and starts listening to it and then comes away and then goes back, that's a, two touches. Um, but if they just listen to it all the way through, that's one touch. So, so I think it's, it's kind of a metric. different way of measuring. I have lots of podcasts yeah. that I download and I don't listen to them. So I'm sure there's yeah. people out there claiming lots of credit for their downloads. And I'm not listening to you, Beef Jerky podcast. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, it's not really cheese, but so anyway. Um, first up is a big announcement for tantrum, Tamper Tantrum. I know it's exciting. Well, I, I like announcements because we've got like we've got two announcements. So yeah, so uh, three announcements. Uh, yeah, and then that's 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 uh, notwithstanding the fact that we might just make something up along the way as well. So there could be numerous yeah. announcements. Uh, this one we haven't made up. This one is one hundred percent true. We're delighted to bring on board uh, Nova Simonelli as podcast partners. Um, so Nova Simonelli have been longtime supporters of Tamper Tantrum uh, and Tamper Tantrum Live, going all the way back to I suppose the end of two thousand twelve, and then also the very first Tamper Tantrum was heavily supported by Nova Simonelli in that they sent Quasimo Libardo and uh, Laro Fioretti over to Dublin to speak at the event and um, uh, through Cosimo and through other people at, at, at Simonelli uh, they've always been um, very uh, vocal uh, supporters of Tamper Tantrum and uh, we're delighted to have them as, uh, as supporters and no, no doubt uh, Giovanni will be uh, singing our praises and helping us to build this together out there because I know Giovanni is a very 
uh, an ardent supporter of Tampertanto and is delighted to have this relationship, as is Maurizio, Pier Giorgio, Michele, the whole family at Nuovo Simonelli, Victoria and Duino. And it is a family. It's kind of, and it's nice to be part of that family. Um, I think I've always, it's always been a very special relationship um, we, we've both had with them. Yeah. Um, they've always been really cool. And it's, it's great that they can help us support this. And um, yeah, I, I look forward to it continuing for many, many years. I have a very quick uh, um, uh, apology to make to you, Steve, though. Oh. So a while back you said, after a recent trip to Norris Manali, that you went and visited the lake. Yes. And in my head I went, the lake, that's the fucking sea, you idiot. Um, and I had a little snicker at you. And then the last time I went back, which was probably my 20th trip there, they said, oh, we should bring you to the lake. And I was like, wait, there's a lake? And they were like, yeah. And they brought me to the lake and I went, oh, shit, there's a lake. So I'm sorry, Steve. I'm sorry for doubting you. <laughs> to be fair, I doubt me. Yeah. Um, it, there are plenty of grounds to uh, think that I could be making stuff up. And it, uh, it very fact, clearly I, wasn't the sea as well. It's quite a small <laughs> lake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, when you said it was the sea, I was thinking, okay, okay. that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cool with this. That must uh, have been Switzerland on the far side. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't write in and say that Switzerland is landlocked. I know Switzerland is fucking landlocked. It's just a joke. Okay, just go with it. Yeah, so we're very... Is it in uh, Eastern Europe? Uh, why not? <laughs> Everywhere else is. So, <laughs> so yeah, we're delighted to have Nova Simonetti on as, as podcast partners. And um, Does this mean I have to get their name right, though? Uh, no, you can continue to call them Suo, uh, Nuvolo <laughs> uh, Simicelli or whatever it is. What is it? Yeah, and if anybody doesn't know what we mean then, just go and listen to me MC in WBC. I call them all sorts of things, all the time. Well, they call uh, you um, all sorts of things as well, so it's okay. They do, they do. It is a, it is a, a mutually beneficial arrangement we have where we uh, call each other things. But um, no, it, I, I'm going to really work hard on the name. In fact, I did the intro for the podcast. Uh, Jen made me do it about 20 times because every time I did it wrong. Uh, but I, I think I say it right in the intro. But if I don't, then somebody should pull me up on that and tell me. Okay. Well, it's like they say, you should never work with animals, children, or Steve Layton. Agreed. <laughs> That's the way it is. So we should go on to other announcements. So we have a fairly busy November coming up. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, oh, yeah. So we have also recently announced, no doubt if you're following us on Twitter, that uh, it's going to be a very busy November. Um, do you, will I talk them through the events or are you happy to do that? Or? No, you, you, okay. you, 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 you so do it. So coming up in November 8th is um, Cup North in Manchester. And uh, for those of you that don't know, Cup North um, was uh, started last year. It was, last year was the first year, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, yeah. It was. So it was held in uh, what can only be described as like uh, an abandoned warehouse kind of Thing. It was amazing. It was like in the outskirts. Like Manchester is a very industrial city, and this is like a disused industrial wasteland with this. And I, I, when I got there, I was like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" And then you get inside, and it was just full of life and lots and lots of stages and an incredible amount of new coffee roasters in the UK, which we can get to at a later stage. And Cup North is, um, I suppose, bringing a bit of uh, love for the not London part of the UK. Is that fair? I love the not London part of UK as well. I, I like the London part a little, but the not London is infinitely more interesting and layered and different. Uh, there's a lot more diversity um, when you get to some of the, you know, the, 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 
cities and smaller towns outside of London. And uh, I think it is very much aimed at bringing those those people somewhere to kind of hang out together. And you know, London people are invited. They're allowed to come. Um, if they have their jabs and bring their passport, they can make it into Manchester. Yeah. But um, it is very much focused on that north of England, um, which is good. And, and really Scotland. Good. Yes, yes. No, no, we don't like the Scotland bits. Really? They try to escape. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we really enjoyed working with them last year. Uh, we had some really popular videos. Uh, one of my favourite talks, actually, for everybody... I've said this before, I think it's the coffee shop owner's talk. I really do. Uh, anyone that is uh, that owns a coffee shop, uh, used to own one, or is thinking of owning one, uh, listen to Ross Brown. Um, Ross is uh, speaks the truth, uh, and it's um, that was an excellent talk. I loved it. Dale Harris, eloquent as always. Mark Ashbridge, uh, in that wonderful meandering way that he always has. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, there was... Um, yeah, I'm trying to think who else spoke at that... Uh, that event as well. Well, I obviously spoke. Uh, Coffee Bird from Guat- Guatemala. Um, Marta. Marta. Marta spoke Marta. at that event as well. How could I forget? And yeah. Uh, yeah, we're looking forward to having a bigger stage this year, bigger area. Um, we've got a really exciting list of speakers and yeah, lo- looking to come back and grow Cup North with Tamper Tantrum. And they've, um, again, really great supporters of what we do and we'd like to, to build that for the future. So, November. I think the other thing, the other thing, I, I did, couldn't make last year because I was uh, I, I was taking Tampa Tantrum around Asia. Yeah, you were. Um, but this time they have given us a dedicated space, so it's uh, we've learnt a lot from the last one, um, and also we're going to be doing some other stuff as in some panel discussion stuff as well, which I like. I think that's where we'll have lots of fun. I think we can really kind of probe and prod people. Yeah. Um, and kind of building on what we did in uh, the BGE event in Prague, like bringing the speakers together and really getting them interacting with each other. Um, and that for me was like, you know, one, one of the real fun parts. And um, The tickets are on sale want, now as well, aren't they? They are, they are. So there's early bird tickets available. Um, you can either pay £10 for the whole weekend. 10 gigabytes. Just 10 gigabytes. Um and seven pounds for just a Sunday if you just want to come and see Tampa Tantrum, and that's including the Tampa Tantrum. So for ten pounds, you can have two days and see Tampa Tantrum. All the Tampa Tantrum you can awesome. eat. Indeed. Although we Indeed. must we must emphasize that there's no touching at the lives of live events. That's purely a podcast thing. Okay. Is it? Oh. Yeah. Um. Listen. I have an apology to make then. Okay. No, we, we won't record that bit. Uh, can I get us in <laughs> trouble with Jen? It's always good to get us in trouble with Jen. Okay. So. Um, uh. It's uh, actually this is kind of you know you, you know the way uh, this is completely going way off course, which is going to get us in more trouble, Jen. But what's the thing called the Tim the Toolman Taylor? What was that show called? Home Improvement. And then there was the guy who lived next door, and he was behind the fence, and you never saw his face. No. No. I don't know what you're talking about at all. Are you are you serious? Serious. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, that guy is going to be our. The Jen is going to be our that guy. So. You, we can just talk about her all the time and then nobody ever hears from her. But anyway, we're, we're, we're definitely in trouble. What, we're, what I want to get this in trouble with Jen about is um, coffee throwing. I know, like, she gives out to us for bringing up stuff that isn't on the agenda or whatever, but are we going to hold coffee throwing there? or? or? That is my plan, but I haven't talked to Hannah about it. <laughs> I can see Jen typing away now. She's saying, uh, I'm going to kill you, Colin. Who the do you think you are? I'm going to you up. Wow. That's the plan. What we might, what we might do is, uh, like my idea, and I, again, this is, I think I've just had this in my head, and I haven't actually verbalised it to anybody, but it's to try and have an event on the Saturday night outside of the venue, but with beer, 
lots of beer. Yeah, because um, beer makes throwing safer. We learned this in Dublin. We did, we did. Um, I definitely think that that could be uh, a, a positive uh, thing to have a look at, like have a tamper tantrum stroke coffee throwing party on the evening. Could be, you know, oh, if all those people are in town, let's keep them in town and let's get them drunk. So on Sunday when they watch Tampa Tantrum, they'll you know they'll all be hungover and it'll be fine. Awesome, yeah, I'd definitely be on for that. Um, and then following on from Manchester, uh, we'll be road tripping our way over to Paris for the BGE's collab event on November eighteenth with the support from our very favourite Frenchies at Frog Fight and SAE France. Um, yeah. So Frog Fight is I keep asking people about Frog Fight. I, I'll do a big massive name drop here. Can you make a clang noise when I do it? Would that be okay? Yes. Okay. So okay. I was talking to Tim Wendell about the other day. Clang! And uh, I was asking him, had he heard of Frog Fight? And he said no. And I was like, what? And it's like, Frog Fight are like this, they're like the the resistance in World War Two. Like, they're like, they're, they're underground kind of like uh, owner organizer group that do all sorts of events, uh, mostly in Paris. Or is it outside of Paris or is it always in Paris? Uh, I, I think mainly in Paris. I don't think I don't think they've done anything outside. Yeah. Um. So. Can I, Can I just? Uh, was there a reason you were talking to Tim Wendell though? But Steve, Jane is watching. <laughs> but oh 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 yeah, there, there was no reason you were just chatting. Steve, Jen's watching. Jen, okay. Steve, like Jen's got my kittens. She <laughs> um. So um. Yeah, so that's going to be uh, that's gonna be amazing. And I've heard... There could be a reason you were talking to Tim Wendelbo about Frogfight as well, couldn't there? Yeah. Oh, that, uh, you know, there might be one. It, if people are clever, they can make up their own assumptions. Or if you're stupid, email us at info at and we'll fill you in. And uh, <laughs> if, if, uh, yeah, if any of you in the future find our bodies, um, please avenge our deaths, and we can assure you it was Jen. Um, so... <laughs> I hear another rumour as well, this probably gets in more trouble, is that uh, the tickets are going to be released tomorrow. So, yes. Uh, if you're going to go see a collab event, um, Paris is pretty much up there. Um, I'm really looking forward to Paris. I'm going to go to uh, Le Fimus, which is an awesome beer bar. I'm going to go to all of the great coffee shops, like uh, Telescope and uh, Ten Bells and... We're going to hang out with David Nigel Flynn and then we're going to go... Have you? When was the last time you were in Paris? Uh, two years ago when I did the Paris Marathon. Okay. And did you love it? Yes. Yes, very much. Like, great wine, great food, amazing cheese, stunning bread and had really good coffee in all the places I went to yeah. as well, which was kind of like nice. Oh, actually, speaking of bread, there's a place, and this is this is incredible. This is my favourite ever coffee shop. Not even, they're not even a coffee shop. They don't even sell coffee as far as I know. But anyway, my favourite ever shop name is called Dupane de Zede, which is like of bread and ideas. Isn't that amazing? And they sell these croissants. There's like a queue like 50 metres down the street just to buy croissants. So Do they sell ideas as well? No, the fuckers. I asked for three ideas and two croissants and I didn't get anything. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I am clueless as a consequence of that. So, yeah, uh, I'm very looking, very much looking forward to Paris. And um, I'm very much looking forward to the speakers we've got. Like, like, we've got some confirmed that are, like, really exciting. Like, I, 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 I know we say this every time, but I think it's our biggest named lineup. So it's like, you know, we, we will be dropping clangs forever over the next few weeks, yeah. uh, announcing them, because um, there's some real big heavyweights in there. 
Um, have we asked Klaus yet? Uh, we always ask Klaus. Actually, I think Klaus has a, 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 an automatic response on his email now that says, hey guys, thank you for your email. Unfortunately, I'm busy that weekend. Uh, thank you for asking me anyway, and please do ask me next time. <laughs> and we do. And he says the same. Yeah, in a very polite way. Oh, in a Klaus way. Klaus is Mr. Polite. Yeah, so um, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to Paris, and I have a feeling that I will have a couple of days off lined up after that one as well. Um, and is Vaughn coming too? Uh, why not? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think, I think that we can legitimately put that through as a business expense. Uh, well, yeah, well, she does own me, so there you go. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and, and, and are we both going to do this one together? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, we're both going to be in Paris or in Manchester as well, aren't we? Are we? Are we both doing that together? My God. Yeah. This will be a. And this will be unusual. Manchester is the Paris of the North. Indeed. We should we should continually say that. See if it gets us any free beer. <laughs> Uh, and then there's 2016, so like our schedule is filling up fast. But if you, you, that's that's you listening right now. Me. No, not Me. you, Steve. Oh. Um, you, not Steve, listening right now, would like to hold a temper tantrum in your area. Just get in touch with Jen, um, and the information is on the website. And talk to us about what you'd like to do. And we have a whole schedule of events that we can pull together. Um, there are events coming together as we speak. Some are signed off. Some are being signed off. And some of them, we're just printing the papers that we can sign them. Um, so, yeah, we're very much looking to get out uh, out of Europe as well next year. And, um, yeah, get more videos, more content, and grow Tamper Tantrum in many other fantastic ways. Jen's been very good at making us be a grown-up company, hasn't she, now? Yeah. Like, we're actually doing... We're like, we, have, we have plans and stuff, whereas in the past, like, this just uh, kind of happened eventually. Yeah, all I wanted was business cards. That's all I wanted. <laughs> I just wanted some more business cards. What would you like your business card to say as your job title? Uh, commissioner of business cards. And that's your word. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Let me think about that one. Um, yeah. So you were recently on a trip doing some work? Yes. For... Yeah, I was in um, I was in Bolivia and Colombia for 11 days. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Like, I get to, I get to work in the most beautiful, gorgeous office in the world it's just like Bolivia and, and the cupping lab in Caranavi and like uh, Pitalito were just stunning uh, and Bolivia was I was really excited because if you go back and watch my Tampa Tantrum talk you have watched my Tampa Tantrum talk haven't you Colin repeatedly repeat good good uh, but yeah like I talk about how bad things are in Bolivia and then I talk about the potential hope for the future um and Pedro, the exporter I work with there, has taken over uh, five farms um, in, in Bolivia in different places and just gone in and completely ripped everything out and started again. And this year is year three of, uh, of that plan. So we got to taste the first, um, the first parts of, of that hard work. He's planted lots of varietal. Like varietal stuff in, in Bolivia tends to be, you've got, you know, Tipica Katura, um, and you're 99% sure it's that, but there's some other trees mixed in, and that, and then that's it. He's got Java, he's got Geisha, he's got Yellow Bourbon, he's wow. got Red Bourbon. He's in got, Bolivia? Uh, in Bolivia. Um, I cooked a, Java, a washed Java that absolutely blew my mind, like knocked me off my chair. Um, blind cupping table, cupped it, and I was like, that's obviously the Geisha. Why are we sitting on a chair for cupping? That's pretty weird. I'm very old. Yeah, you're getting um, old. I am very, very old, and sitting down is good. Um, 
but just absolutely stunning. And all the other varieties as well, there were so many interesting things going on, so many different processing methods. Um, it was just really, really good. And, and the coffee flower tea that we were trying there was just stunning. Um, they'd been playing with cascara, so different ways of drying cascara um, that just completely changes the cup. Like makes it so much cleaner, takes away a lot of that pulpy, pulpy kind of fermented taste that you get in some of the cascaras. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just amazing. And going around a lot of the producers, um, w one of my favourites of last year was a guy called Vincent Payey. Uh, and Vincent is, uh, you know, th that's his life. He grows coffee, that's all he does, works the land. Um, you know, it's his whole income. And just the improvements this guy's made, um, just phenomenal. And it's all from just having the consistency of knowing that he's got somewhere to sell his coffee, uh, that we've been working, got this relationship kind of programme set up with him that, he feels safe enough to invest. Um, it was just amazing. So anyone that's seen the talk can... will see the, that you were... Um, I'm just going to adjust my mic now so it isn't. There we go. Um, so anyone that's seen your talk will know um, about the difficulties that Bolivia is facing right now. So obviously a lot of plant stock getting ripped up to grow coca. Um, there's, you know, not much kind of... I mean, it's the poorest country in, in South America by good distance. There's, there's many, many problems facing uh, Bolivia. And you were a little bit down last time you came back. Uh, and I remember you had to strong arm some of the farmers into continuing growing coffee. Um, yeah. And we, like, uh, end up, like, you pay a lot of money for Bolivian coffees these days. And uh, I think it, it's fair to say it's, it's a labor of love in the sense that you could probably get comparative coffee, comparative quality in other countries for less money. I think that's fair. Yeah, I but I mean, fair. but there's, I mean, uh, the other thing is that like um, having an impact is, is obviously a big part of it. Are you starting to see um, some green shoots? Massively, massively. I mean, like going back to Vincent, who was just talking about, like the, the guy has, he's planting new stock for the first time since he's owned the farm. He's had the farm for 20 years and he's planting new But is he an isolated stock. case? Like in general? No, no, there's, there's others, uh, that, you know, they're starting to realise that if they, so the, the idea with Pedro setting up, buying these farms and ripping out everything and starting to plant everything new was to also to try and inspire people in the area. So to show them that there was, a, there was an, another option than just growing coca or selling your coffee for as cheap as possible. Um, also, we've been investing in a program there where we have uh, an agronomist flies in from Costa Rica. Because no, there, there are a couple of agronomists in, in Bolivia, but they're not specifically coffee. They are just agronomists for you know, general planting, yeah. and they don't understand the coffee thing. So we flew a guy in from Costa Rica, and we he was a 10 cents premium we paid on every pound we bought last year, and that went into this fund to pay for the agronomist, to give them advice. And every, once a month, they're having, like, on a Saturday, they have a school where there's somebody comes and does a talk on, this is how to get the best out of the coffee, this is how to prune, this is how to deal with leaf rust, um, you know, this is why it's important to, you know, to, to cut back and trim and make sure that you know you, you, you planting new you have a, a, a program of planting and the guys who have gone on this program are suddenly motivated again they're interested they want to be part uh, they want to be part of this specialty coffee thing that's going on um, it, there are still farmers dropping away we're still we, we've we lost another couple this year that we're probably not going to see next year because they've just decided they don't want to do it anymore but for those who are motivated there's some help and there's some assistance and um, part of this 10 cents premium as well was to also su to supply fertilizers and to supply the things they need if they've got leaf rust 
So there's like a little pool of money that if they need it, if their farm needs improvement, then they can go and kind of get into this. And um, it, Bolivia for me is it's the hardest journey I do. It's the hardest coffee to get out. It's the hardest coffee to find quality. Um, but it's such a beautiful country, such an amazing place, such wonderful people, like real farmers. A massive potential so, as well. Yeah. You, see, you go to Brazil, and I'm not saying... The Brazil guys aren't real farmers, but they don't go out and get their hands dirty. They've got people going and doing that. You know, they're managing their farms. Whereas these guys, you know, they've got the dirt under their fingernails because <laughs> they're out there doing it. Yeah. Um, and there's something very romantic about that, I think, as a, as a coffee buyer, that you're actually... Because, you know, as a coffee roaster, I'm working with that coffee every day. I'm getting my, my fingernails dirty in the green and they're getting their fingernails dirty in the growing of it. And I don't know, I just find this link every time I go. Uh, that makes me love the place even more. And there is that kind of, I don't know, <coughs> we always have a, if we're having like a, a tasting or a cupping or whatever, and it comes right to the living coffee, and I always stop and I had this conversation with a guy last week, and I was like, okay, this, taste it, it just tastes like coffee. He's like, yeah. Now, taste it again. Like, there's, there's richness to it, there's complexity to it, there's so much going on there that you can you can bypass it, or else you can actually stop and think about it and see how much there is going on in there. Like, and, that Bolivian coffee has a complexity to it. I you generally don't find in other countries, and I don't know if it's accidental or, or if it's if it's because of the topography or the soil quality or the climate or the farmers or what it is. But there's something about Bolivian coffee that just ticks all of those boxes for me. For me, I, I kind of like it. I, I I do like them as well because they're just so. I, and you like to use this a lot. I'm surprised you haven't. But like they're just really accessible for people that just want coffee. <laughs> like, yeah. Give somebody an Ethiopian or give somebody a Kenyan, they can be really freaked out by them. Whereas Bolivians, I just tend to find that if you give it to... Like, my mum loves Bolivian coffee, like, but she she would run away from a, a yoga chef. Yeah. Um, so, it, it, I don't know, I just think they're super accessible and super easy to get. Uh, but also the descriptors are really easy to get as well because <laughs> they tend to be very sweet, very balanced, and they have that depth. So, um, I feel like I'm being employed by the Bolivian... Uh, coffee industry to promote them but it's just so easy when they're so good true and home of the potato potato yeah sorry i, I, sorry, I should probably stop saying that all the time but it is <laughs> you are irish you are allowed yeah <laughs> uh, yeah that's quite offensive um good. <laughs> yeah so and what about columbia <clears throat> do you know columbia was uh, this year was um i was really looking forward to going back to pitolito because the first thing is they've opened the airport and they have a flight from um, uh, Bogota directly to Pitalito. So in the past, I had to fly to Nieva and then drive for four and a half hours. Um, so get on the plane. It's a propeller plane. You know how much I love the planes. Um, plane takes off, goes to try and land in Pitalito, lifts up and said, oh, no, we can't land. It's too cloudy. Um, so then he uh, turned around, went to Nieve, and we had to get a car for four and a half hours. So that was the first part of the awesome. trip. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I'd been on the, I got on the two o'clock flight from La Paz straight to Bogota, and then got on this flight, then had to do a four and a half hour, we, we got into Pitalito about seven o'clock at night, and then everybody was like, let's go for something to eat and drink. No, I'm going to bed. Yeah. Um, no, I did actually end up going out for something to really? eat and drink. Um, but, uh, no, it, it, so, we, again, we've been doing some stuff with, um, some programs out there with uh, one particular farmer, Pedro Claros, uh, where we've been cupping every single day's lots uh, and separating them into micro lots when we find something amazing. 
when we find something that's not so amazing kicking it out and when we're finding something that you know is like a good 86 to 88 coffee making like i call it an estate blend but it's no different to what a normal farm would be you're just taking away maybe some of the weaker links and um it was so fantastic to go and see how much again pedro's been investing in the farm he's built a new uh, wet mill um, he's built as we were there he was building new drying tables um he's always dried on top of his house but he he wants to do some pre-drying at altitude to slow it down a little bit because it gets really hot down at his house so he's built these amazing tables and like it's so just so like, cool to spend the day you must encounter so many different because uh, it seems like every every time you come back from a trip it's like oh yeah now they're building their own drying tables they're building you know uh, small washing stations but you must see a, a lot of like micro construction on your trips and like do you ever turn up like and kind of go oh you're doing that wrong um do you know what I, I, we, we actually talked about this while we were there because they do things very differently from farm to farm from place to place and i don't think it's my job to tell them they're doing anything wrong like yeah you go do it like for me it i i know nothing about coffee growing and if it, if pedro turns up at my roastery and said you're roasting that wrong i'm going to tell him to jog on um, so if I tell him he's doing something wrong on the farm, he's quite within his rights to tell me to jog on as well. So I, I try and avoid that whole "you're doing it wrong." Yeah, but surely you but, must see, you must see, you must be learning about that sort of construction as you go. Though there must be things you're picking up. I think what, what I tend to try and do is like show, I like to talk to people about what they're doing in other places, so it gives them ideas. Yeah. I, the the, the intelligentsia get together they do, where the producers all get together. I would love to do something like that. Where they can actually like because I've spoken to some of the guys who've been on that in that meetup thing, yeah. and they learn so much from each other. So that like what you need to do is get farmers talking to farmers. So like last January, um, no, sorry, not last January, January before, I took Ali, who we had on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. I took him to go and meet different producers, and then they got together and started talking about the things that they were doing. And he came back with a whole heap of ideas that they're not doing in El Salvador. Uh, and he's taken back so that's my job is actually to link people up more than tell them what to do or tell them they're doing it wrong yeah um and i and, and i try and do that as much as i can so most of the guys who i buy from like they tend to know each other and i've forced them to kind of talk to each other and then they share their ideas and and, and their experiences and yeah some of them are rubbish some of them are really good what does intelligentsia uh, one call it? It's the growers summit or something like that, is it? Or? Yeah, I can't, I can't remember what it is, but I've, I've spoke to, because uh, a, a number of the coffees we buy, they buy as well, so I, they, you know, they, they, all the producers know each other and the, they, they talk about it as just being this amazing thing. Um, That's the thing uh, where they, they, just, they get together in a room and then Stephen Morrissey teaches them how to do latte art, isn't it? <laughs> um, I, think, so they, I think they do like presentations and stuff and yeah. things like that and... But I think it's much more of a getting together and sharing ideas type thing than anything else. Oh, it's an incredible yeah. idea. Um, yeah, it would definitely be good to see more of that as, as it goes. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 for sure. I, I'm, I'm incredibly envious of the amazing programme that, uh, that they've set up there. Really am. Yeah. It's, uh, that's very good. And I'm not the only one who's been travelling. No, you're not. You, you you were in Europe, but you you went to kind of coffee places, didn't you? Yeah, I went, to, I went to San Sebastian, which is um, in the Basque country, as distinct from Spain or France. Um, but um, yep, uh, San Sebastian is just known as the gastronomical capital of the world, apparently. Um, yeah. So they've got many um, 
two, three and single star Michelin restaurants there. And Europe's only um, dedicated culinary university. Um, wow. And a microclimate that um, gifts you with blistering sunshine and torrential rain. Uh, it's it's kind of like Ireland, except we get like mild nothingness and then torrential rain, whereas they get blistering sunshine and then torrential rain. So, um, but yeah, it's like when you're driving into the city from Bilbao, you you're just driving through these like wonderful valleys full of like lush green forest and into this the beach area and there's like lots of fish in the sea and there's like fruit and veg from the mountains and it really is incredible. So they have a, a culture there of uh, what they call pinchos, which is very similar to um. To tapas, I suppose, but uh, pinchos are smaller, usually served on a piece of bread. But the original one, the um, uh, is kind of like pickled uh, peppers with anchovy and olive, um, and um, you can get all sorts of stuff there. But it's wonderful wine culture and wonderful um, kind of a uh, yeah, it's a real party town, you know. The um, Gilda, that's our Hilda, even I beg your pardon, is the name of the original pincho. Um, but, uh, yeah, so when we were there, actually, one of the interesting things, uh, and I'm just going to say it briefly, because I don't, this is a, such a tiresome conversation, but uh, I went to uh, Mugaritz, which is um, spelled M-U-G-A-R-I-T-Z, uh, and is, depending on who you read, is either the fourth or the seventh best restaurant in the world. Uh, okay. has two Michelin stars, um, and um, we went there for dinner, and the meal is i mean it takes almost four hours 24 courses really incredible wonderful wow. experience they grow a lot of the stuff on the on the the land and then they're working really closely with farmers and it's it's very much like every 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 table has its own menu um and it's like it's one of those things where like you're it's like I, re- I read um andy Haler's review of it before uh, and he kind of is a great person to read mm-hmm. with these sort of restaurants, and he gives you a good idea about what to expect. And it's kind of one of those places where, out of 24 courses, there are some that you're just not going to like, uh, which is cool, and the other ones are mind-blowing. And it's just to see someone's interpretation of what they just wanted to, no holes barred. At no point, the weird thing was, at no point did they ever come and ask you how you're getting on. Like, do you like this? Do you, or how's that? Like, everybody's really friendly, but they never ask you how you're getting on or if you liked the last course. It's just like... Here it is. This is this is the course that we've chosen for you right now, and eat it or don't. I kind of hate that in a restaurant though, where I kind of like you know, was everything okay for you? It's like if it wasn't, I promise I'll let you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's it's, it's a, they're very strong and a very as soon as you walk to the door, you feel welcome. It's it really yeah. really is incredible. And you know this thing like there's a restaurant in Dublin where um, I went before and it hasn't been star. I don't want to say where it is, but anyway. Not that they're listening, but <coughs> um, there was this really awkward bit afterwards where the chef came out of the out of the kitchen. It was like, oh fuck, and he's like going around the tables saying hello to everybody, purely because he feels he has to. And like he comes up to the table, and he's like, "How was your dinner?" And you're like, uh, "It was nice." And he's like, um, "Do you like lamb?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's really grand." And we're like both looking at our feet, and then it's just really awkward. And then he shuffles off to the next table. It's like he didn't want to do that, and he just like made me feel awkward and himself feel awkward. It's like, why bother? But so they come around the table saying, "Do you want to go to the kitchen?" I said, "Yeah, be great." So we go into the kitchen. Like you go, there's like th- literally thirty people in this kitchen, and it's wow. it, it's like walking into it like a like a jewelry store or, or something like that. Like it's all really well lit and bright and ev- everything spotlessly clean. 
You walk in and everybody at the same time turns around and goes, Hola! And you're like, whoa, hello. And then the chef, the head chef comes marching and goes, Hi, welcome to our kitchen. The big handshakes. And you're like, whoa, this is like, it's part of the deal, you know? So they talk us through all that kind of stuff anyway. So that was great. Had a really wonderful sense of what they're trying to achieve. Really enjoyed it. Me is amazing. We're walking back towards the kitchen and there, just before we get back into the restaurant is the two espresso machines and the big bag or tin of that commercial grade nasty coffee and it's just like really like and it's it's so disappointing and I, I, that's what I'm saying I don't want to turn into this this big tiresome conversation about oh really great restaurants have shit coffee but they do like and it's just it's so awful like I ordered the coffee I didn't drink it they didn't charge me for it um, and it was just oh it's just soul destroying it is it is depressing that we're still having this conversation like I was having this conversation 12 years ago and still having it now and it is and it's tiresome and I hate listening to coffee people going around oh restaurant coffee's terrible but it, it just is like there's so few places you can go to and have a good meal and good coffee and when I do they amaze me yeah <laughs> I shouldn't be amazed that somebody can make a nice cup of coffee in fact I should expect it that's true that's um, true I mean like I, yeah. I've been to restaurants where they serve you five different types of salt like why not put the effort into the coffee Um. so it's like it's 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 an absolute no-brainer but there is hope um what i'm gonna do is uh, i had a great conversation with the sommelier and i said uh listen i'm gonna send you something i didn't tell him i worked in coffee so i'm gonna send you a gift so you need to taste it he went cool i'm gonna do that so i'm gonna send them six little uh sachets of coffee i might have to do pre-ground just so i want to make it as easy as possible for them so i'm thinking like a natural sumatran like a washed Kenyan, a, a Brazilian pulp natural, like a, a washed El Salvador, maybe a Bolivia, and just let them see that there's there's differences there, and that hopefully that will spark something, you know. Um, no, that sounds like a good idea. And and just say like this isn't a sales Proactive. pitch. In fact, we don't sell coffee outside of Dublin or outside of Ireland. So, like this isn't a sales pitch. I just want you to go find somebody, and here's a list of people to contact. The second bit of hope, I suppose, is that there are lots of Michelin star restaurants in the area. And I was very fortunate to have met and uh, Javier Garcia, who is a, a multi-time uh, Spanish barista champion. And uh, Javier Legend. brought me down to his new shop, showed me photographs of his new roastery. And uh, I spoke to him about the restaurants and he's, he, he, he's hopeful that in, in the coming months he can build on some relationships that he has in some of these restaurants. Because, I mean, if the restaurants in San Sebastian start doing great coffee, then you're going to see it in a high street near you soon enough. So um, I'm looking forward it's to it. So, it's so hard, though, to... to because there's so, it's such low turnover, it's so hard to do this. Like, I, I... You know, we work with a couple of Michelin-star restaurants, <laughs> and they're such small orders, and they're so hard work, and they all want to do espresso, and you kind of go, you're not doing enough to do espresso. <laughs> You know, you, you, your machine's not moving enough, you know, your grinder, it, all of those problems. And it, it really is depressing because, like, it's so much effort and energy and work. But I, I don't know, there has to be a simple way. There has to be a simple way of doing great coffee in a restaurant. Well, like, there has to be. Javier uh, had, um, has a very similar uh, perspective on this that I do. And, and he was like, like, how do we change this? And we did chat about it. And I agree, is that... Going knocking on restaurant stores or slagging them off uh, is not really going to change anything, really. Um, the best way to get restaurants to improve the quality of the coffee is to make the coffee quality in your cafe really good. Um, because what will happen is that the people that come to your cafe will go to their restaurant and go, uh, this isn't really very good. You should go to that place and try their coffee. And that's how it happens. Just do get your own house in order, as Johnny Giles always says. Uh, get your house in order and then it'll spread that way. That's the most positive way to do it, so... 
Yeah. So yeah, Sakona Coffee opening very soon in San Sebastian, and um, the loaf is doing a a good start, a good job of starting the ball rolling for specialty coffee in San Sebastian. Um, but um, Javier Garcia has has got a massive opportunity to um, I think have have an impact on world coffee because of how influential San Sebastian is as a culinary capital. So good luck to Javier in in the coming months and. Uh, Hopefully we'll uh, we'll see an, an, another successful um, uh, venture yeah. popping up. Well, I, I, I'm I'm going the end of the month as well, so I'll uh, I get to enjoy it as well. Awesome! I'm looking forward to yeah, I, I purely on your recommendation as well. So it better be good. It will. You'll love it. I guarantee it. Okay. I guarantee it. Okay. Right. Good. Good. So, um, did you see my blog post on the cup of excellence? Mm. Yeah, you're a little angry, Steve, aren't you? I've calmed down a bit now. You have. So, have for those of you that don't down. know, the Cup of Excellence have decided to stop doing regionals. And <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the Cup of Excellence, uh, which is run by ACE, isn't that correct? Yes, Alliance for Coffee Excellence. Which stands for the Alliance for Coffee Excellence. Um, they have, uh, they've decided to pull uh, Awkward. some of the, um, the Cup of Excellence locations. Uh, for next year yeah. um, and to reduce the programme with the goal it must be said of rolling them out in following years so I think their, their plan is to reduce it consolidate it grow again uh, yes you were a bit annoyed by this Steve okay so first of all uh, I have an apology to make so anybody uh, who I did upset as part of the current board um, that was certainly not my intention it was much more a uh, a, a jiber previous um management and I, I love the program first of all i love cup of excellence program i've been a benefactor member since 2005 um, which is i pay more money to be a member i can get it cheaper but i'd rather pay more because i love the program um but the the, the organization has had its problems it's had its growing problems um it grew very quickly from uh, an office in montana um, and they took on Africa, which was a big, a big jump as well. We've got Burundi and Rwanda. Um, they took on Mexico. They took on, you know, there's a whole heap of, of problems and issues there. Um, and I do think that the new management, the new board uh, are going to make, like they, they, they will be making the right decisions because they're good people. You know, at the head of that board, we've got Jeff Watts, who, you know, is a legend and I love and the last thing I want to do is upset somebody like him. And I, I, I think I have a little. Um, Tad. Someone likely to upset people. Um, but I also feel there was a massive opportunity missed. It, was an, it felt like it was another one of those communication issues that we had with the regionals. Like you, you're making the joke about the regionals. Is like They are so similar. It was just, oh, we're doing this. And nobody sat down with the membership and said, like, we're thinking about doing this. Is there anything we can do before we do it? You know, that maybe, I mean, my idea was like, well, why not just, instead of flying jurors all the way out to Central South America and Africa, for those countries, maybe just have one big cup in at the SCAA and pick out some of those coffees that, that can still go to auction and people can still, um, you know, still be able to get the profits from it. You know, the countries that are being crossed off is like El Salvador, Mexico, Burundi, Rwanda. Like these are countries that massively need support more than ever. 
you know, particularly if you look at like El Salvador and how many problems they have with leaf rust and dwindling yields and um, you know, problems with quality and, and all those things, this is the worst time kind of for them. Um, but my blog post was a little knee-jerk reactional to uh, something did that Did you just make up a me. word? Knee-jerk reactional? I think I did. That's up there with bounce-back ability. Oh, I like bounce-back ability, though. Knee-jerk reactional. Okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm really sorry to see those programs go. Uh, I do hope that it comes back stronger and bigger. I have also offered my services um, to uh, ACE and Cup of Excellence, if I can help in any way, um, to not just throw stones, but also be somebody that does something constructive. So, um, to be part Jeff's of the going to take me up on that. And not just yeah, part, part of the, of the solution. Indeed, indeed. So, um, yeah, um, really sad to see those countries go, and I really do hope that it comes back. But I do worry that once you lose something, it's very hard to start it again. Following on very quickly on the, the foothills of that announcement, though, was that the Cropster of um, roaster profiling data collection fame are to provide 2016 Cup of Excellence auction platform with a new green yeah. trading hub. Um, now this is an idea that uh, you spoke about today many times when you're absolutely shit-faced drunk. Um, and um, <laughs> that seems like a progressive step in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that w you look at what um, uh, Los Favorites, the Maresh auctions have done. They've built their own auction platform as well. I know the guys in Bolivia were thinking about doing something similar with their new farms and new lots. So, you know, taking out those small micro lots. And this is the challenge that Cup of Excellence has, is that there's, there's other people on the horizon that are you know, potentially going to steal the thunder. Like the whole reason the Los Favorites happened was that they cancelled the Nicaraguan competition last year and there was no Nicaraguan Cup of Excellence. So Irwin, we said, well, we'll, we'll do our own one here. Um, and that's what worries me about this announcement is that you just, somebody comes in and fills that space up. Um, but it's good to, I mean, the, the Cup of Excellence auction platform has been creaking for a little while. Um, it's been needed to be rebuilt and redeveloped and it's great that Cropster have uh, come in and do, done that. Yeah, no, definitely seems like a, a good idea. Uh, and then we mentioned USBC before. Uh, there has been an announcement made on the, the future of USBC. So I think um, there was a, a bit of um, a fallout and many meetings were held in, in the meantime about what the future of uh, USBC was going to be and that they then went and engaged with the uh, with the baristas and the people, the stakeholders, let's say, um, mm -hmm. about um, what to do with the future of, of USBC. And it seems they've come up with uh, something that seems like, I don't know, seems like a fairly uh, reasonable middle ground. It's amazing, isn't it, when you actually kind of communicate and talk to the ah, membership. Steve, and don't be like that. No, but it's true. It's like, and this is, this is you know, what's infuriating about it all is that like people have, there's so many people in coffee have amazing ideas like there are lots of clever people involved in coffee and all you need to do is talk to them to try and find the solution to get around it to have that middle ground that everybody's happy but you've got to communicate to do that yeah completely um so uh what they've done is that they've decided that they would have um a an event in the middle of the year where they'd have 100 baristas come together in a geographically central location in the US. Where is that? Somewhere in the middle. Uh, now those of you listening at home could hear me typing away. USA map. 
Ba, ba, ba. I don't know actually that's a better picture there. I'm gonna say that I'm gonna make the announcement right now that this year's Kansas. Still, I'm gonna make the announcement. <laughs> <laughs> is that where the Wizard of Oz is? South from? Nebraska, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> will host this year's um, Middle Western Eastern Conference, something like that. Anyway, so 100 people come together. Um, and what they'll do is that they compete in a very, um, let's say, a lower key um, event. Would that be fair? Yeah, I think so. And uh, I think the from what the announcement tells us that the, the focus will probably be the, nothing too committal. Well, two espressos, two cappuccinos, two signature beverages. There is a kind of a, a, a learning venture. The top six, I believe, uh, people get to go forward to USB-C and the remaining 24 get to go forward to the preliminary rounds of USB-C. That is a, an extremely intelligent, goal-focused and reasonable answer to the furor, furore that erupted before, uh, I feel. Don't you think? Yeah, I think so. I think that sounds like a really, really good compromise. Can we go? I've always wanted to go to South Nebraska. Um, so I've always wanted to go to Kansas. I've been to Kansas actually. Have you? Kansas City, Kansas, yeah. Um, Is it good? As opposed to Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, yeah, it was beautiful actually. And I think um, America in general, the US in general, owes Kansas a whopper apology because everywhere I went, I went to a lot of cities on that tour, and everywhere it's got like, you're going to Kansas? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And Kansas was pretty incredible actually. I really loved it. Really, really nice people. Um, really nice weather. Great food, nice coffee, nice people, worth mentioning again. And awesome train stations that they don't really use anymore. And um, yeah, I loved it. Home of Pete Licata. Of course, the famous Pete. Yeah. We've. Um, and home of Jen's mum as well, actually. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Jen's mum. Uh, yes. Hi, Jen's mum. I know she listens to everyone. She's very proud. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I look forward to that. And uh, maybe we can host Tamper Tantrum there some year. Yes, yes. Now that would be that would be lots of fun. I'd love to do a Tamper Tantrum in the US at some point. Yeah, I believe that is on it, the cards. Even though in general I don't like going to the US. Why is that? I would go to the US for a Tamper Tantrum. Why don't like? Why don't you like going to the US? They hate me. They hate you. Yeah. They, I, honestly, every time I get to the customs, I get taken to little rooms and shut away and okay, let's, ask questions let's, and let's just isolate that to the people at US Customs hate you border security okay. hate you and uh, and the rest of the country loves and embraces you mm. right we should shut up shouldn't we we're rambling that was episode the 31st 31st what is what the 31st the 34 <laughs> the, 30, the 34th of, of episode 34th of Tamper I am we survived another one and you survived with us. Am, well done and thank you for the touches. Bumbling host, Colin Harbin. And I am joined as always. And I'm not much better. By what's his face, Leighton. And we will see you in a city very soon near you. Over and out. Thanks for listening to this podcast. It's proudly brought to you by Nuova Simonelli.